I hope that in the midst of all of this holiday rush and all the things that normally are associated with Christmas, that we don't fail to adore Him. Amen? And we can get so wrapped up in so many things and forget what it's all about. So I pray that over the next couple weeks that you take the time in the midst of everything to just stop and adore who He is. Amen? Tonight, you can go ahead and put up my first slide. Tonight, we are going to look, hopefully, at at least two of the three types of fasting that are outlined in Scripture. But before we do, we're going to go ahead and pray as we always do and ask that the Holy Spirit anoint me and anoint you. I'm glad it's not raining tonight. Usually on Wednesdays, I'm bogged down with rain. But tonight, at least it's not raining, right, as far as I know. I've kind of been locked up all day, but I don't think it's raining. Am I not on? Oh, I haven't even put up my little, haven't put up my, uh, my, I was wondering why I was a little low. Thanks. Anyway, I'm loud enough that even if I didn't hear, have this, I think you'd probably still hear me. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for your faithfulness this evening. And God, we do adore you. We praise you. We magnify you. And we thank you, Father God, for all the great and many things that you've blessed us with in our lives. God, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your house this evening, Father God, as sinful men. As, as carnal man, Father God, we have the ability to come into the presence of God because of your grace and your mercy, and we thank you for that, God. So during our time together, we pray for your anointing. Father, first to rest upon me that I might bring forth your word with clarity, with truth, with revelation, without any hindrance, without any obstacle, Father God. And I pray that in the same way your people would have ears to hear and hearts to listen, that you would cause us for just a moment in time to forget about ourselves and concentrate on you so that we might worship you, Father God, in word and in the reception of your word. God, I pray that these seeds of your word would find a place within the soil of our soul, that it might take root and grow, Father God, and that we would bear fruit and fruit that lasts by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The first thing that uh, I want you to see before I begin to outline the three different types of fasts that are recorded all throughout Scripture, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16 where it says, And when you fast... You don't have to turn there, but I want you to record it because I want you to understand that even early in the beginning of chapter 6, Jesus says three things. He says, when you give, give like this. He goes on a little bit later and he says, when you pray, pray like this. And then when he gets to chapter, when he gets to verse 16, he says, and when you fast, fast like this. And I want you to understand that Jesus said these things because he expects us to do these things. The way Jesus uh, spoke what he spoke, there was an expectation that God's people were not only going to uh, or not only going to give and not only going to pray, but that God's people in just the same way were going to fast as well. Jesus expected that his disciples and his followers, meaning you and me, he expected us, he expects us to give faithfully, he expects us to pray faithfully, all the disciplines that we've talked about, he expects us to do faithfully, and he expects us to fast as well. So I want to use that as a foundation of this, that we cannot, we cannot look at, at fasting as, as like an, op, uh, of course, all of these disciplines are an option. You can do them or not do them. 
But they're not an option to his glory. They're not an option to his power. They're not an option to this godliness that he says that we can acquire if we begin to practice spiritual discipline in our lives. So he says, when you fast. And the three types of fasting. The thing is, here's another thing that I want you to understand. That when God doesn't just tell us to do something, he shows us how to do it as well. He didn't just say give. He told you how to give and he created an outline. He didn't just tell you to pray. He taught us and and tells us how to pray so we can pray effectively. And in scripture, he gives us an outline to fasting as well. It's what we're going to look at. I've got a lot to cover. I know some of this is going to be teachy. I might rattle on a bit. So if you can keep up, keep up. Because I just want to get as much as we can. The three types of fasting that are outlined in the Word of God. I'm just going to touch on these real quick and come back to them. But the normal fast is the first fast. It is practiced for personal sanctity. It's normally practiced in the Word of God for overcoming the flesh, for preparing for battle or for ministry or a difficult task assigned to us. It is practiced for fulfilling the will of God in our life and to create a humility of heart in our life. That's the normal fast. The complete fast, or some of you might call it the absolute fast. And I'll detail what those fasts are about and what they include as we go. But these, this fast was practiced in connection with spiritual emergencies and, and according to the urgency of our soul. It was practiced by God's people for protection and for healing. It was practiced during a time of repentance and brokenness of heart concerning sin and the faithlessness of God's people and God's house. And it was practiced in hopes of changing the mind of God. The partial fast or the Daniel fast, which some of you may call it, it's even called the 21 day fast because Daniel practiced it for 21 days. It was practiced in order to receive revelation from God, direction from God, wisdom from God and favor from God. And it was practiced while waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled in the lives of God's people. And if if, if that's as far as I went, if I didn't preach anything more than what I just outlined, I can tell you that every one of these areas in some form or fashion are represented in our our lives and we need to fast. If I didn't teach you any more, I believe that somewhere in this one of one of these things relate to you or I and that behooves us then to exercise the spiritual discipline of fasting. But no matter what fast you might enter into of these three, what I want us to remember is that all three of these fasts, church, have uh, are able to bring divine intervention into our lives. All three of these fasts have the power to work supernaturally in our lives or in our situations or in the midst of what we think is an impossible circumstance we find ourselves in. Before I go any further, I always like to recap just a little bit. I want you to remember that fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for a spiritual purpose. And I don't, I don't want to be legalistic and I don't want to be dogmatic about this and I don't want to say there's certain things that we can and can't do in regards to fasting, but I want to teach you what I understand the biblical meaning of fasting to be. And even though it's true that there are many things besides food that can hinder our communion with God and hinder our relationship with God, even though there's many things about this world and in this world and of this world that can lead us away from God and bust up our our relationship with God, we need to understand that fasting focuses solely on abstinence of food according to the Word of God. It can hinder our faith. It can, uh, there, it, 
all these other things that I'm going to talk about in just a second, they can hinder our faith, but God doesn't call us to fast those things. And when we try to change the definition of fasting, I believe it can lose power. I believe that when we try to widen the meaning of fasting, we can weaken its potential in our lives. So we need to be careful what we try to call fasting. I say that to say this, as good intentioned as some of us have been in the past, even myself, and as good intentioned as some may be, we need to understand, like I said last week, God does not call us to fast things that contaminate our lives. He does not call us, church, amen. He doesn't call us to fast folly. He doesn't call us to fast the things of this world only to return to them three days later or one week later or one month later. God calls us to fast food because it's what we need to survive. What In regards to all those other things, uh, according to folly, according to the things of this world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of eyes and all those things, God doesn't call us to fast those things only to return to them because the Word of God tells us that the fool that returns to his folly is like the dog that returns to his vomit. And I know that that may sound crude, but what I'm telling you is that God doesn't want us to separate ourselves just for a moment or two uh, from those things that keep us from a right relationship with God, he wants us to put them aside. He wants us to put them away. He wants us, according to Paul, to strip them off and throw them off and not let them have anything to do in our lives. You see, there are things of this world that God is trying to speak to some of us about to just get out of our life and not bring them back. It doesn't do you any good to fast uh, cigarettes for three days only to come back to them. It doesn't do you any good to, to fast alcohol for three days and getting drunk for five days only to come back to it. God doesn't tell us to fast things that contaminate our lives. He calls us to put those things off. And we cannot confuse the two and we cannot try to spiritualize the fact that I'm fasting folly for three days because there's nothing spiritual about that at all. It's false spirituality. And what God is trying to do is distinguish tonight. There is a difference between folly and the things of this world and the lust of the flesh. And there's a difference between that and fasting. You fast food for a period of time, but food you need to survive. So let's not separate the two. When God calls us to fast, He calls us not to eat and to give that time, to give that focus, and to give that energy to God. When He calls us to fast, church, He calls us to, to not eat and to consecrate ourselves unto God and His plan for our life and not our plan for His will for our life and not our will for our life, just like Jesus did in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, when it says, as he, meaning Jesus, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was hungry. I want you to know that Jesus, listen, I want you to know why people fasted. I want you to know why Jesus fasted. Some of us think, oh, he was the son of God. He was the prince of peace. He was the one that came from the right hand of the father. What did he need to fast for? You need to always remember that not, not only did Jesus come as the son of God, he came as the son of man. And he needed to fast just like you and I need to fast because he had a hard task ahead of him. He needed to fulfill the will of the father in his life. He had a cross that he had to bear. He had to go through some pain and some suffering. And Jesus needed to fast so he could keep his eyes fixed on the father so that he could accomplish the will of the Father in his life, so that he would not be uh, uh, caught aside by the lust of his own flesh, by the pride of life in his own life. Jesus fasted in order to prepare himself for ministry and for the cross. 
Jesus fasted so that he would walk by the spirit and not by the flesh. Jesus fasted so that he could be profitable to his master and be of great value to his father. Jesus fasted in this passage of scripture in order to accomplish the father's will in his life. To be able to bear the burden of the cross. And I'm telling you that there are times just like this in our own life. Times like this in our own life when we have to exercise the spiritual discipline of fasting so that we can do the Father's will. So that we will walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. So that you and I can be profitable to the Master. There are times in our life, just like in Christ's life, where we must exercise the spiritual discipline of fasting. In order to accomplish the Father's will. I'm not saying that you've got to fast for 40 days and 40 nights like Jesus did. I'm not saying that you have to go off into some desert place somewhere and fast for 40 days like I said and nights like Jesus did. But I am saying that there should be times when you and I exercise the discipline of fasting. So that we might be successful in the ministries of our life. You see, so often you think, well, I'm not in ministry because I don't stand up behind a pulpit. I'm not in ministry because I don't have a teaching position somewhere. I'm not teaching the Word of God. I want you to understand that every single one of us in the house of God have a ministry. Not just one ministry. We have several ministries that we are responsible for. And God expects us to be successful in those ministries. Listen, if you're married, you have a ministry to your spouse. You have a ministry to your husband and to your wife. And you might have to fast in order to be successful in that ministry. If you have a son or a daughter, if you're a parent... You have a ministry of motherhood and a ministry of fatherhood. And you might have to exercise the spiritual discipline of fasting in order to be successful in that ministry. If you are a Christian, if you call yourself a son or a daughter of the Most High God, if you claim to be part of the family of faith, you have a ministry to your brothers and sisters in the Lord, a ministry to help bear their burden, a ministry to help build them up in the Most High faith, a ministry to pray with them and walk with them, and sharpen them and encourage them. If you claim to be part of the household of faith, you have a ministry to the church. You need to be you need to be faithful in your attendance to the church. You need to be faithful in your giving and your tithing to the church. You need to be faithful in your ministry and your service to the church. I don't care what area of ministry it is, but if you're sitting in the house of God tonight and you say I'm a Christian, you have a ministry to the house of God. And sometimes you've got to fast in order to be successful in that ministry. Every single one of us sitting in the house tonight, every single one of us that call ourselves a Christian, have a ministry to that world out there. We have the ministry of being salt and being light. We have the ministry of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to every single one who is lost in darkness and dying. And so often we sit around and say, I ain't got no ministry. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I just outlined a handful of things that God expects you to be successful in. And you might have to fast in order to be successful. Listen. It doesn't do us any good to just grumble and complain about the heartaches and the hardships that come up in that ministry. It doesn't do you any good to grumble and complain about the heartaches of marriage or the heartaches of fatherhood or motherhood. That doesn't help make you successful. You know what makes you successful in the ministry of life? Calling out to God, getting yourself in a prayer closet, opening up the Word of God and buffeting your body like Paul did and said, I'm going to bring everything about me into subjection. 
so that I might glorify the Father, so that I might be a right example of Him. Listen to me. Sometimes you've got to buffet your emotions. Sometimes you've got to buffet fear and doubt and anxiousness and jealousy and all of these other things that try to control your life. And you might have to do that through this spiritual discipline of fasting. Sometimes prayer is not enough to get you past the enemy. Like I said last week, you might have to add the octane booster of fasting in your life. This is what I'm talking about. We all have a ministry. I also believe there are times when we must fast in order to bear the burden of our own cross, which is the dying to ourself in order to do the will of the Father You and I can't do the will of the Father when we're touting about doing our own will. You can't do the will of the Father while you're satisfying the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. You can't accomplish the will of the Father in your life when you're doing what's right in your own eyes instead of the eyes of God. When you're just satisfying your flesh instead of the Spirit. There's no way that you can do that. So one of the best times, church, there are times when we must fast in order to bear the burden of our own cross. Because so often when the weight of our cross gets too heavy to handle, so often in all of our Christian walk, when the when the weight of the cross gets too hard to to handle, to bear, to carry, you know what we do? So often we tend to quit. So often the weight of that cross and the weight of that burden gets too heavy and we lay it down. So often we we throw in the towel and we quit and we give up and we say, I didn't sign up for this and it's it's too difficult, God, and you must not love me and you must not care about me or you wouldn't have me going through all this. Listen, that's not the time to complain. It's not the time to blame God. It's the time to get on your knees and try to get closer to God. When the weight of your cross gets too heavy for you to bear, you might have to push away from the plate and say, this is the time that I've got to get closer to God. Because when you deny your flesh, you strengthen your spirit. If you're struggling in your life, I've told you, if the weight of your cross, listen, every single one of us have a cross we must bear. All of us. It's all different. You might, I don't know what your burden or what your cross will be, but in the midst of bearing that cross, you're going to have to say, it's not about me, but it's about you, God. i got to get my eyes off of myself and off of my situation and off of my woe is me and off of my pity little party, and i got to get focused on God. And the only way that we can sometimes do that is through the spiritual discipline of fasting in our lives. I know that fasting is a difficult discipline to practice in our lives. I know it's probably one of the least practiced disciplines of all. No, you're not supposed to fast every day, and that's one of the reasons we don't practice it as enough. But in ratio, I'm saying we as God's people don't fast like we should fast. Far too often we yield to our fleshly emotions instead of bringing those emotions under uh, the authority of the Spirit. So often we yield to the emotion of fear and doubt and, and jealousy and all those other emotions I talked to you about instead of bringing them into subjection to the spiritual discipline of fasting. One of the best ways to get control of your flesh and to get control of your emotions that just seem to take over our lives is the spiritual discipline of emotion. I know with my two, with my, one of my daughters, yeah, you, we love our kids to death, but one of, one of my daughters, my oldest daughter, she just is so given to emotion. 
Even my little girl, my littlest daughter right now, sometimes given to emotion. And I always catch myself saying, don't be so emotional. Don't be so given to emotions because, listen, emotions can take you straight to destruction. Emotions can take you straight to hell. Emotions don't don't do good for you. You need to learn to to reel in your emotions. You need to learn to buffet your emotions and bring them into subjection so that even your emotions obey the word of God in your life. Your emotions, listen, your emotions can raise themselves above the knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he is in your life. Your emotions can try to take control of the throne of your heart and 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 the sanctity of your mind. And when they do, they're gods, they're idols. And we need to learn before they get get a hold of the throne, before they get a hold of the sanctity of our mind, we need to cause them to come into subjection. And you can do it through the spiritual discipline of fasting. Listen to me. If you're harboring, I, I don't know if you might be, if you're harboring bitterness, if you're harboring resentment, if you've, if you've got jealousy and envy and all of these other emotions going on in your life, I want you to understand that you need to practice the spiritual discipline of fasting in your life. If you are harboring resentment towards somebody and bitterness towards family, somebody said this, somebody did that, somebody, you are robbing yourself of a blessing from God and the devil knows it. And he'll let you keep going. He'll keep playing on those emotions. And it's in that moment of time. It's in the midst of that emotional uh, storm that you're going through. You got to say, now's the time I'm going to push away this plate. Now's the time I'm going to, I've got to consecrate myself to God. My focus, my energy, everything about me to God so that I can overcome this and take control of my emotions. John Wesley asked the question. For those of you who don't know who John Wesley is, he was an English uh, evangelical preacher. He was the founder in the 1700s of of Methodism and the Methodist Church. But he asked this question to a congregation, hundreds and hundreds of pastors. He said, why are we not more holy? And he was referring to the church. He was referring to the house of God and the people of God and the children of God. He wasn't referring to the world. He was referring even to the preachers that were sitting out in the congregation. He was referring to himself. He was referring to you and he was referring to me. Why, as God's people, are we not more holy? And he answered his own question and he said, It's chiefly because we are looking for the ends without the means. He said, we want the power without the pain. We want the reward without having to relinquish. We want the vice and we want the victory. We want the crown without having to go to the cross. And it's exactly where so many of us are today. It's exactly why we are still not more holy. Because we want the ends without the means. We want to bring a cheap sacrifice to God and think it's enough to get everything that he has for us. We want the vice and we want the victory. We want to hold on to the hand of the devil and we want to hold on to the hand of God. We want to dance with the devil and we want the reward of God. And God is saying, no, you cannot have both. You can't. This is exactly why we're not more holy, he said, and it's why we're still not holy today. It's why the church is filled with compromise and complacency. It's why it's filled with emotional Christians or yo-yo Christians that are up and down and in and out and hot and cold. It's why we're filled with lukewarm Christians who would rather have it their way than God's way. They'd rather uh, do their will than God's will. Wesley said the church isn't more holy 
Because they are always looking for another way into the fold of God's glory rather than through the gate and the cross of Jesus Christ because they don't want to pay the price. This is why the church is in the situation it's in today. This past Saturday at the men's breakfast, which I was, I think was great anyway, it was, uh, had at least 90 men there. If you were there, I appreciate you coming and I pray that you were as blessed as I was. But the guest speaker that evening was actually the founder and the leader of the Better Way Ministry of these gentlemen that are here. And during John Barrow, uh, during his message, he, he, he told us that I don't remember who it was. He didn't say who it was or how long ago it was. But he said that he called one of his guys Burger King, I think it was, right? Called, we used to call one of his guys Burger King because that guy always wanted it his way. And I laughed and I chuckled and I thought that was cute. But when I was doing this study, I began to be saddened by the fact that that represents all of us. That so often in our own Christian walk, we all want it our way instead of God's way. So often we want God to hold the pickle or hold the lettuce or whatever, whatever, so he don't upset us, right? I don't know that whole thing. But so often that's what we want. God, if you do this and hold back that, I'll love you. If you do this and you do that, I'll serve you. If you don't do this, I'll, 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 I'll give myself to you. So often all of us, not just this young man, wanted it his way. So often we all want it our way. And if we don't get it our way then God doesn't get us and the only way to control that church to me is through the spiritual discipline of fasting I don't I'm not saying it has to be 40 days but all throughout your Christian life you've got to let your flesh know who's boss all throughout your Christian life, you've got to tell your flesh, no, you're not going to have it your way today no, you're not going to have it your way today I'm giving it to God. God's going to have his way in my life. Sometimes you've got to talk to your flesh that way. Sometimes you've got to rebuke the devil that way. And give your time, your energy, and your devotion to God through the spiritual discipline of fasting. Jesus fasted because he knew, church, that there was only one way back to the Father. You know, Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, there's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to his glory. There's only one way to his throne. There's only one way to his power. There's only one way into his presence. And that's through the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ. And we cannot try to be like that wolf that tries to come in through some other way. We can't try to climb over the fence or dig under the fence. We can't try to sneak in some back door. The only way that we can come into the glory and the presence and the power of God is through the gate and the, and the work and the cross of Jesus Christ. This is what we cannot forget, church. Jesus fasted because he knew there was only one way back to his father. He knew there was only one way to glory. He knew that there was only one way that he would be seated by the right hand of his father, able to intercede for you, to, you and I tonight. And that way was through the pain and the suffering of the cross. From the moment Jesus left heaven, he knew what his purpose was. From the moment he left heaven, he knew that there was only one way back to the Father. He knew that there was only one way that he could take that rightful place and receive that name which is above every name. And that was through the cross. And Jesus himself had to fast in order to get to the cross and to endure the cross. I don't believe if Jesus fasted, he would have endured it. I don't believe if Jesus, before his ministry began, went into the wilderness, we would not be reading about him today. He came as a man. He was tempted in all ways, just like we are, the Bible says. And without fasting and without a deep relationship with his father, he would have lost his race. 
and we would be lost today. And we cannot afford to overlook any of the disciplines that Jesus himself incorporated into his life, especially the spiritual discipline of fasting. I believe that one of the most important times to fast is prior to spiritual battles in our life so that we can be strengthened and prepared for what lies ahead. If you know a spiritual storm is coming, if you know a spiritual battle is on the horizon, if you know that there's something in your spirit, you can feel it and you need to be ready for war and battle. Don't go out just with just the only armor of God. You need to go out with prayer and fasting. You need to fast so that you are prepared for the spiritual battle ahead. Another time that we need to fast is prior to stepping out into ministry, stepping out and starting a business, stepping out to getting married, stepping out to making a major move or a decision in your life. Because listen to me, the fasting is one of the greatest ways to lean not on your own understanding, but to acknowledge God in all of your ways so that he might direct your paths and not your flesh, not your emotions, not your fears, not your lusts, not your next door neighbor, not any other man. One of the greatest ways for us to lean not on our own understanding or to be led astray and to acknowledge God in all of our ways is through the spiritual discipline of fasting. Listen to me. When you count the cost of Christianity, when you count the cost of becoming a son or daughter of the Most High God, you better count the cost of tithing and giving. You better count the cost of of serving. You better count the cost of prayer. And you better count the cost of fasting. When you want to enter into a marriage, you count up all the costs that it's going to take to be successful in that ministry of marriage. You better include the cost of fasting. When you're ready to start a business and you want the business to be successful again, it's going to, because it's going to provide for you and your family, you better include the cost of fasting because listen to me, the cost of fasting might be the very price you have to pay in order to get success in that area. If you leave out the, the spiritual discipline of fasting, you might be leaving out the very price or the cost it has to be paid in order to find success in that area of your life. So often marriages are failing because somebody didn't count the cost. So often Christian businesses are failing because that Christian individual didn't count the cost of prayer and didn't count the cost of getting alone with God, didn't count the cost of fasting so that they might be successful, so that they wouldn't make decisions based on emotion and based on worldly input and based on the things that they just see going on around them. You see, sometimes we've got to incorporate and pay the price of fasting so that we can be successful in every area of our life. If you're struggling in your marriage, the first thing I'll ask you is, have you fasted over it? If you're struggling in your finances and you can't get all the pieces together, one of the first questions I'll ask you, have you prayed and fasted over it? In any area of business, any area of your Christian walk, things are falling apart, I'm struggling, I can't overcome, blah, blah, blah. One of the first things I'll ask you, are you praying and fasting over it? Because if you're not, you've left out an element of success. Jesus was successful because he fasted. Jesus was successful because he prayed. Jesus was successful because he denied the desires of his flesh to accomplish the will of the Father. And listen to me, I'm as serious as I can ever be about this. Christianity is not a game. Getting to heaven is not a game. Glorifying the Father is not a game. I want you to understand that being a Christian and claiming yourself to be a Christian is not a game. And if you're ready to fight, if you want to win, if you want to be like the Son of God, 
God, Jesus Christ. If you want to be a reflection of the Father, you've got to be willing to pay the price of fasting in your life. Because it can break chains that nothing else can break. I know this is a difficult word, church. Listen, every word I bring to you, I've got to make sure I practice on my own. I want you to understand, listen, I would not be here tonight if I didn't know what it meant to count the cost. I'm not saying it to brag on me. What I'm telling you is I had to count the cost as to what it would take to stand behind a pulpit and receive the anointing of God in my life. There's things I've had to separate myself from, not just fast in my life. There's things I've had to do without so I could receive the anointing of God upon my life. Not do without them for three days and take them back. I've had to set them aside. They're not even sinful things, church, but I know that they can take my time away from God. And I've had to set them aside. I can't preach to you like I'm preaching without fasting, without dedicating myself to God. And you can't either. You can't be a testament to this world about the miracle working power of God unless you're willing to, to, to practice all of these spiritual disciplines in your life. I'm admonishing you, church. I'm exhorting you to be everything that God wants you to be. You've got to buffet your body. You've got to buffet the flesh. Listen, I know you're not going to find this in some top uh, top ten book. You're not going to find this on, on a lot of the, the TV preachers that are out there preaching real simple little things to you. Positive self-help stuff. I'm not condemning that. But I'm telling you, if you want to be everything that God wants you to be, you've got to be willing to practice these spiritual disciplines in your life. So often we want the reward without relinquishing, relinquishing our own desires and our own lusts. We want God's answers and we want God's direction and we want his favor and we want his blessings and we want his crown. But we're not willing to carry his cross. We want everything that he has to offer us. But we're not willing to offer him anything in return. And, and when we walk in our own ways, church, when we're unwilling to pay the price, when we're unwilling to exercise the, the discipline of fasting in our life, when we end up in a mess, we end up blaming God. And sometimes we throw ourselves a little pity party and believe God doesn't love us and God's not strong enough to change our situation. And sometimes, even worse, church, we set ourselves against God. We set ourselves against the church and we set ourselves against brothers and sisters and we set ourselves against the pastor because he should have cared more and he should have prayed more and he should have called more. No, you know what? You should have fasted more and prayed more and gotten to the closet more. You should have called out to God more. You should have humbled yourself more. You should have gotten alone with God more. You should have buffeted your body more. You should have brought your, your emotions into subjection more. Your success does not rely on Pastor Allen. Your success does not rely on me. Your successes rely on you and God alone. And if you're not serious enough about being successful in your life's ministry, you're not going to be successful. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, church, if you're serious about successful Christian living, you're going to get serious about spiritual discipline. If you're serious about seeing the Father, if you're serious, church, about sitting at that banqueting table, if you're serious about a crown of, uh, uh, of glory and a, and a robe of righteousness and hearing your name mentioned in the hallways of heaven, you've got to get serious about spiritual discipline in your life. The only thing you're going to hear 
is I never knew you. Depart from me, you man of lawlessness. That's all we're going to hear. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. I don't think Jesus is going to say that, but he will say, listen, please understand how I'm saying this. Please understand how I'm saying this. There is coming a time with Jesus when God will tell some people to go to hell. There is coming a time when he will say, depart from me and be cast out into darkness, into hell for all eternity. Because we have not been prepared. We have not been holy. We have not been righteous and we have not been ready. Because we've not done what we need to do in order to see the Father and experience a relationship with Him. Listen, I'm as serious as I can be. I hope that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you tonight. The time is near. The time is near. Jesus is coming soon. And if we're just a bunch of lazy Christians that want something from God and we're not willing to discipline ourselves, we are going to miss out on glory. Going to miss out on glory. So Jesus is saying, exercise the spiritual disciplines in your life, including the spiritual discipline of fasting. Another urgent time to fast is during a trial that has the potential to lead you astray. Potential to lead you away from the cross and the will of God in your life. When the fear of the flesh, when worry and doubt and discouragement try to overwhelm your spirit, you need to take the time to tame your flesh to the spiritual discipline of fasting. Real quick, the normal fast is typically used for everyday struggles in life, for walking out and living out your faith, for overcoming the world in order to fulfill the call of God in your life. It has been linked in Scripture to personal sanctity and success in your Christian living. It has been linked to putting, uh, to, uh, to putting the flesh and the devil in their places and to exalting God to a higher level in your life. How many of you want God in a higher level in your life? How many of you want the devil and the flesh in their place? Then we've got to seriously consider exercising all the spiritual disciplines in our life. Jesus fasted, the Bible says in Luke 4, and afterward he was hungry. He abstained from all food. Now I'm teaching you what it's about. He abstained from all food, solid or liquid, but not from water. He abstained from everything, all food, all liquids, except water. This is the normal fast. It means no food, no liquids, except water. We might not like to hear this, but it's no food, no snacks, no munchies, no juices, no V8, no smoothies, no shakes, no protein drinks to help fill up your tummy. Water only. As we look at the details of this passage, we can clearly see that this is the type of fast that Jesus was in. Church, this was the the type of fasting that Jesus entered into for personal sanctity and for the success of his ministry here on earth. Look, in Luke 4 it says he ate nothing, but it never says he drank nothing. Afterwards it says he was hungry, but it never says that he was thirsty. Like he was when he was on the cross dying and he said, I thirst. He never said, I thirst when he was in the wilderness. Even though thirst pangs are more intense and stronger than hunger pangs, listen, Satan tempted Christ to eat, but he never tempted him to drink. This was the normal fast, which requires a voluntary abstinence from food and drink, except water in order to sustain you. The normal fast like that of Christ in the wilderness was not supernatural. Listen, there was nothing supernatural about the act of fasting in Jesus' life, but it produced supernatural response in his life 
If you read the whole passage, you'll find out that after he fasted, the Bible says angels appeared to him. Something supernatural happened. They spread out a table before him and it says they fed him, they nourished him, and they strengthened him. There was nothing supernatural. Look, there's nothing supernatural about the normal fast. You got to do it on your own and you pray that the Holy Spirit help you do it. You pray that the Holy Spirit help tame your flesh, but you do it on your own. God's not going to come down and do all the fasting for you. There's nothing supernatural about the spiritual discipline of fasting. You just have to exercise it all on your own and trust that God's going to see you through. But listen, Jesus, when he fasted, he fasted on his own as a man and not as God. Please understand this. As a man, Jesus was hungry in this passage of Scripture. As a man, Jesus was tempted, just like you and I are tempted. As a man, Jesus was weak, the Bible said, because if he wasn't weak, then the angels wouldn't have to come and strengthen him. Amen? I want you to understand that there was nothing supernatural about the the discipline of fasting, but there were powerful supernatural results as a, as a, in response to his fasting. So I want to encourage you, it may not always feel like a super spiritual thing. It's going to be a drudgery. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. You're not going to feel like, whoo, the power of God's on me. This is so easy. It's going to be difficult. But I want you to know, to, for those who endure, for those who practice, for those who see it through, as long as the Holy Spirit tells you to do it, whether it's a day, a meal, two days, a week, no matter how long it is, there are supernatural results uh, uh, results that come from your fasting. Amen. Remember, listen, the book of Revelation tells us that only those who endure to the end will receive a crown of glory. Only those who endure. There's all sorts of scriptures that talk about enduring. Only those who endure to the end shall have their name written on a white stone. Only those who endure to the end shall sit at the table with Christ. Only those who endure to the end shall wear a robe of righteousness and receive a crown of glory and have a scepter. And the list goes on and on. Jesus himself said, for those who endure to the end shall be saved. Listen to me. There's not going to be any quitters in heaven. There's not going to be any quitters in heaven. You quit the race, you quit the race. There's no prize at the end. It's not like the secular world tries to teach you today. You can putz around and you don't have to fight. And you, don't, you don't have to work hard to succeed. Everybody's equal. No, that's not true. Quitters won't be in heaven. Quitters will not receive a crown of glory. Quitters aren't going to sit at the banqueting table with Jesus Christ. Jesus understood that himself. If I quit, I'll never make it back to my father. So he fasted so that he would endure. And listen to me, that endurance brought a reward into his life. You know what the reward is, a right hand of the Father, a name above every name, restoration to the Father and communion with you and I. This is exactly what endurance produces, and fasting produces endurance. If you want to endure the trials of life, if you want to endure the heartaches of life, if you want to endure the race that God has placed in front of you, you need to fast. You need to fast. Or you're going to find yourself sitting on the sideline wondering why life has passed you by. Wondering why victory has passed you by. Wondering why everybody else is doing well in their Christian walk except you. And you're sitting around moaning and groaning wondering why you're the only one that's not successful. Because you've not incorporated spiritual discipline into your life. Listen, I'm not about to tell you that even though, even when you incorporate all those things, hell won't break loose in your life. It will. But all of those disciplines will see you through. Far better than if you don't incorporate them at all. If, if, if hell looses its hounds in your life, I promise you, you're more likely to get through it with fasting and spiritual discipline than without it. 
Otherwise, you'll get chewed up and spit out. You'll be left on the sidelines while everybody else is running the race. This is what we need to keep in mind. That we, we must fast because it produces supernatural results in our life. It gives us strength to endure, and then, then endurance brings a reward. I said it earlier, I'll say it again. If you're a yo-yo Christian, that means if you're up and down in your faith, means if you're in and out of church, if you're just flip-flopping all over the place, if you're hot one day and you're cold the next day, if you're constantly struggling to do the Father's will in your life, I believe you need to consider the normal fast in your life. Because the normal fast in Scripture is related to these areas of your life, to successful Christian living, by bringing the flesh and all of the lusts of the flesh into control. In the last couple minutes that I have, I'm not going to get to the partial fast, but we're going to look at the complete fast. The complete fast or the absolute fast is abstaining from all drink and food and was normally never more than three days in Scripture because of the physical dangers involved. There are only two people in Scripture. Two people in Scripture that had supernatural 40-day fasts. It was Elijah and it was Moses. Matter of fact, you all know the story. He went up to the mountain, Moses, 40 days. Moses actually fasted for 80 days. 40 days he went up to the mountain to receive the word from God, the, the first set of uh, tablets and commandments. And you know what happened? When he came down to give the law to the people, what were they doing? They were living it up. They were bowing down to golden calf and having all sorts of wild parties. And Moses got mad and he threw down the tablets and they split upon the ground. And immediately God called him right back up. Another 40 days, Moses. Another 40 days. Listen, listen. Moses's emotions, even Moses, this great mighty man of God. Moses's emotions got the best of him and it required another 40 days. Another, you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes our emotions can cause a burden, bring a burden upon our life that uh, we could otherwise avoid. Another thing that God has to bring into our life, you know, God spoke one time and he wrote down the word and he got emotional and he threw something down and his anger didn't reveal the righteousness of God and whoop, God sent him right back up another 40 days. But the thing is, my point is, it was an 80 day supernatural fast. Never, never. Go on an extended fast unless God carries you there. Unless God reveals himself supernaturally like he did to Moses and carries you there and sustains you there. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy your body. It'll destroy your mind. You never, ever enter into an extended fast unless God has carried you there. These are supernatural fasts with supernatural results. The other fasts I'm talking about, they're natural fasts with supernatural results. But the complete fast is abstaining from all drink and food was normally no more than three days. The complete and absolute fast, as are referred to, is connected to spiritual emergencies and urgencies in our life. I'm going to touch on one area here, give you, uh, give you some outline, then we'll pick up next week. But in Esther chapter 3... Queen Esther and Mordecai, hopefully you all know the story. Queen Esther and Mordecai, who was her uncle. Queen Esther started out as a little Jewish slave girl and through God's goodness and God's favor and God's working out, exalted her to a place of queen. I want you to understand that when you put your trust in God and your hope in God, he can exalt you like no one else can exalt you. You understand what I'm saying? This moment, listen to me, this moment in Esther's life was not the first time she fasted. She had a spiritual discipline of fasting in her life and it's 
why she was exalted to the place of queen. If you're looking to be, I'm not saying for ego's purposes, but if you're looking and desiring to better yourself and to get a better role at work and to be exalted to a place, not for selfish honor, but for God's honor. You see, God was glorified and honored through her position as queen. She didn't use her position for herself. She used her position to save an entire nation. And this is what happens. Esther chapter 3. Esther and Mordecai, her uncle, were in a crisis of utmost gravity. The word of God tells us the Hebrew nation was about to be destroyed by a wicked man named Haman who was plotting to annihilate, like Hitler, the entire Jewish race. He was a he was a past day Ahmadinejad who wants to just blot out the Jewish race, wants to annihilate Israel. This is what Haman wanted to do. He had a plan. He had an outline. He had a design. He had a day that he was going to destroy the entire Hebrew race. Uh, Esther found out about it. She goes to her uncle Mordecai and she said, Mordecai, this is a grave situation. I don't think you could get any more grave than this. An entire race about to be eliminated. She knew that she couldn't waste her time moaning and groaning. She knew she couldn't waste her time coddling and complaining. She knew she couldn't waste her time behind a table stuffing her belly with food. She knew that I gotta get serious with God and I gotta find someone that's gonna get serious with me. And she grabbed a hold of Mordecai and said, this is what we must do. We're gonna fast for three days. We're not gonna eat anything and we're not gonna drink anything until the power of God changes my situation. And we find out that the power of fasting and the power of prayer turned around what the devil meant for harm and God used it for good. And the very plan, the very scheme that Mordecai or, or that Haman had set out, he got caught in. And he got hung in the very gallows that he was planning to hang Mordecai on because that is the power of fasting. It's the power of fasting. I want to tell you this. Go ahead and put on the music because here's where I'm going to bring it to close. One of the things I want you to understand, especially about this particular story, is that Esther found someone in the same situation she was in. Someone in the same dire straits. She understood if two of you shall agree on anything, you shall have the things you ask. Sometimes you can't fight alone, guys. Sometimes you can't fight alone, Mom. Sometimes you can't fight alone, Dad. Sometimes you got to find someone in the same dangerous position that you're in. you got to come into spiritual agreement, and you got to do battle against the devil. you got to be willing for a moment in your time to say, Brother, agree with me. Sister, agree with me. We're going to separate ourselves from the plate. We're going to separate ourselves from the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life because if we don't you and I are both going down don't grab someone that's not familiar with your situation don't grab someone that's not desperate for the power of God don't grab someone that's not in right standing with God don't grab someone who's never practiced spiritual discipline in their life Grab someone that's serious about being successful in their ministry and overcoming the battle just like you are. And commit yourself to prayer. Commit yourself to spiritual discipline.
so that you can find victory in your life. Listen, the devil isn't done. The devil didn't hang up his harp the first time he lost a battle in your life. The, 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 the devil didn't pack up and say, ah, that's it. I'm never going to bother him again. He's going to come after you and I every single day of our life until that trumpet sounds, until the cloud rolls back, and until God calls us home to him. And during that time, church, we need to exercise the spiritual disciplines that we have learned about and spoken about, especially spiritual discipline of fasting. I'm going to finish up next week on a couple of these uh, complete or absolute fasts and then look at the partial fast. But if you're here tonight and you're saying, you know, God, I want to be victorious in my life. You're here tonight and you say, I want to have a successful Christian life. I want to have a successful relationship with you or I want to have a successful business. I want to have a successful marriage and a successful ministry of parenting. I want to have a successful ministry to this world to be salt and light. I want to make a difference for you, God. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet because we're going to commit together to exercising the spiritual disciplines that we need to to be able to be everything that God's called us to be. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you, Father God, that you have not called us to do something without showing us how to do it and then without empowering us to do it. I thank you, Father God, that when you call us to fast, you outline the fasting and then you give us the Holy Spirit and the wisdom and the direction and everything we need to be able to do it. When you tell us to pray, Father God, you give us an outline to prayer and how we can pray successfully and how we can have our prayers heard when we give. You tell us how to give. When we serve, you tell us how to serve. And then you empower us to do all of those things. So, Father God, I pray that no one here tonight would feel overwhelmed. That no one here tonight, Father, would be, feel like uh, uh, over, overburdened by the spiritual disciplines that you want them to practice in your life. But help them to understand that when they step out in faith, Father God, that you're going to step out with them. Help them to understand, Father God, that when they step out and are just willing to, to deny their flesh, that you will rise up in their spirit and you will give them everything that they need, God, to be victorious in their Christian living. So I pray that you would help us to be victorious in our relationship first with you, God. Because unless we're right with you, unless we're successful with you, unless we're, we're successful in our Christian living, we cannot be successful in fatherhood or motherhood. We cannot be successful in our marriage or in business or any of these other areas. We may be temporarily, God, but it'll all be built on sinking sand. So I pray that you would help us tonight to build our faith on the, the solid rock of spiritual discipline in Jesus Christ. I pray that you would give us the strength of your Holy Spirit, that you would impart wisdom upon us, that you would give us everything we need to accomplish your will in our life. Forgive us, O oh God, for the times that we want it our way. And not your way. When we are not willing, Father God, to pay the price, when we want the, when we want the ends without the means, help us to not be counted among those individuals, but help us to be counted among those that are willing to pay the price. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord tonight, church? Amen. Exercise your spiritual disciplines this week and watch how the power of God moves. Amen. Be blessed.